an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with global dining access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Bet the board. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't care. I don't. I never have. Never will. Yeah, right. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. You owe me 15 grand, pal. Pay him. Pay that man his money. It's the Bet the Board podcast. God likes me. He really, really likes me. In the end, I wound up right back where I started. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? Here's Pain Insider and Todd Furman. Welcome into the Bet the Board podcast. Thursday, January 19th, conference championships on the docket. And then there were three, three meaningful football games. All that remain on the National Football League schedule. As always, Bet the Board brought to you courtesy of Bet Online. I'm Todd Furman. I'll be joined in just a matter of seconds by Pain Insider. Busy show for you today. Not only conference championships, favorite Vegas steak joints, some prop action around Tony Romo and look-ahead numbers to the Super Bowl. But before we get into all that pain, we may as well hit the way back button to last Saturday and Sunday. Anything really surprise you what we saw during the divisional round of the playoffs? Surprise? Uh, no, not really. I think what we saw was one thing, Aaron Rodgers. He's good, man. He is good. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It really is. Uh, single-handedly just willing his team to win that last throw. Just ridiculous. Against his body, 37 yards just on a rope. So, uh, tough to quantify what he means to that team. Uh, good offensive line around him, keeping him upright. They've been fantastic. But aside from an offensive line and Aaron Rodgers, there's just not much there. And I think this game will likely decide who's the MVP. I'd, I'd give it to Rodgers still at this point. So, uh, the Falcons offense in the other game. As we expected, we talked about that overrated Seattle defense. Uh, but when you're talking about the Falcons, it's a historic offense. We specifically touched on the explosive plays there. Falcons had six on offense and then eight plays that didn't quite qualify as explosive between 10 and 14 yards. So eight additional chunk plays. Uh, that offense is just humming right now. Matt Ryan revitalized Shanahan really attacking the opposing defense's weaknesses. Uh, and that's the reason they're averaging 6.7 yards a play on offense this season. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, how are you not kicking yourself knowing that you scored the only two touchdowns in your game on Sunday night? You held that Steelers offense to six field goals. 
yet you come up empty-handed and your season's over, despite what I thought was a pretty good game plan, at least on the opening drive offensively. I know they stagnated for large stretches, but the defense played a little bit better than I would have anticipated, given the fact that Le'Veon Bell ran the but felt like seven yards every time he touched the football. Not a surprise. Andy Reid came up with a great script early on. Go down, march, score your touchdown. One thing we have seen probably the last four to six weeks is this Kansas City Chiefs running game not being up to par, and that means... What running game? Yeah. What running game? That means everything's on Alex Smith's shoulders, and we know the ceiling on him. Uh, unfortunate call there, tying it late in that game. Is it a hold? You know, absolutely. You look at it a little bit deeper. Harrison went so far wide outside. I, even if he wasn't held, he wasn't getting to Alex Smith. He was seven yards away from Alex Smith at that point. I'm not sure you make the call in that critical of a... A game, but Pittsburgh dominated basically. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. We've seen it. There's a ceiling on Alex Smith. Andy Reid come playoff time. Can't win the big game. So no surprise there in that one. Houston Texans, uh, I know they kept the game obviously competitive for a half before running out of steam late in the second half. Do you think we've seen the last of Brock Osweiler as their starting quarterback? He vows to come back stronger than ever in the offseason really a tough game to judge went back and watched and yes you get a Texans team that's inside the number for a large portion of that game Patriots don't even come close to playing their best and you think the Texans are probably the right side but you dig a little bit deeper there I'm not sure a single point was generated from their offense it was either coming from fumbles short fields turnovers <sighs> I didn't see a ton there from the offense. Brock does make his first fantastic throw of the game. And, it and goes Will Fuller from, drops it. Yep, Fuller drops it. That was an absolute dime. That might have been the best pass of Brock's career, maybe, of the entire playoff so far. An absolute dime just dropped. But you go back, you look at all the points the Texans scored, every single one of them aided by a turnover or a penalty. Now, you don't like to take their first three off the board but because uh, they do drive 50-plus yards after the personal foul. But that was a punting situation. So, again, every single point the Texans scored last week via penalty uh, or turnover. Yeah, we don't cry over spilled milk around here. Did not get to the window with the first half under ticket in that particular game. Uh, still feel a bit job knowing that 17 points came off of what I'd like to affectionately describe as junk, including a special teams touchdown. Uh, but as we didn't hit on, and you told me after it happened, should have known the Texans would be good for at least one of those lapses ranked dead last <laughs> when it comes to special teams. You, you asked about special teams in the Seattle game. This was the game that uh, <laughs> it really reared its head. Now, this is interesting because uh, special teams coordinator Larry Izzo was a just standout player here for the Miami Dolphins on special team, made his career on special teams, not quite transitioning. Uh, to the same success as a coach. Now, back-to-back -back years, the Houston Texans special team dead last in special teams efficiency. Yeah, not exactly a ringing endorsement for a team headed in the right direction. Of course, I think we'll have a little bit more Texans discussion on this podcast, pain than uh, most people would anticipate, given that their season's over. I wanted to bring up one topic, though, that's kind of bothered me some. We'll obviously get Dave Mason's take on it very shortly. Uh, about some of the philosophies taking place at Bet Online and the way they've approached the playoffs. But we've read and been inundated with a ton of articles this postseason about how well the public's doing. Public sides 8 0 thus far. Money line action last week, specifically on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, put books in a precarious position. We knew parlays were clicking in. 
uh, with some of these very favorable numbers uh, as far as underdog value, so to speak. Uh, but I spoke to a couple of professional bettors out here, and I think the stories they told me were rather interesting, specifically about this Dallas Green Bay game. And I don't need to mention books by name. Uh, I think some of the, their employees and executives may listen to this podcast. Uh, but it goes without saying that there are some wayward bookmaking techniques taking place out here. And books that are flat out not interested in balancing action whatsoever when it comes to these playoff games. Folks were telling me they tried to go in and get the best of the number, laying a price on the Dallas Cowboys money line, upwards of five or 10000 a pop, you know, risking 19 dimes to win 10, somewhere in that ballpark. They were backed off, not to half limits, but to nickels uh, on some of these mobile apps out here. And then we have to listen to these books come out the day after crying over, you know, what. Wait, you know, how things went. I don't even know how to best articulate it. You know, high six-figure loss, low seven-figure loss, worst day that we've had since we opened up our operations in the state of Nevada. And while I'm normally sympathetic with bookmakers if things don't go the right way, I can't be in this kind of situation because you're not booking the game the way it needs to be done. You are essentially gambling, operating under the assumption that the betting public is always wrong, which I think is flawed logic to begin with. But at the same time, paint. I learned one thing at a very early age as far as my bookmaking acumen behind the counter. You don't put yourself in a position to have major decisions on playoff games because if you happen to lose six or seven figures, it takes you until March Madness to get your balance sheet where you need it to be. And oftentimes, if you were to have a major losing playoff game, and heaven forbid this town has a massive loss on the Super Bowl, you're going to take nine to ten months to get yourself back in the black, and I just don't understand this mentality whatsoever. We'll obviously get Dave's take on the topic to see if he feels the same way for how Bet Online books it. But am I nuts here? I, I think your last touching point was was probably the best. Uh, I think it has to be a little bit different when it comes to playoff games. You know, the handle, the action is just ten times uh, what it is you know, in regular season games. And I'm all about the long-term mentality, the long-term approach. It's how you have to be in this business. And, and, you know, when it comes to the NFL, it's a short sample. So, you know, we talk about books getting bludgeoned since, you know, week eight or nine of this season. And you put that into perspective, how many games is that really? You know, and especially when it comes to the sharp guys betting, how they're not doing three, four, five games a week, 10 weeks, 50 games. It's really a small sample size that I think a lot of us get lost in. But when it comes to these playoff games, uh, I would feel much better not having massive liability as a sportsbook operator. I know they treat them like a Sunday night game, a Monday night game, um, and they're willing to take a little bit more of a position. But when you're absolutely loaded on a side, especially when you're a square book, um, I don't think you can turn down some of that evening out money from the professionals. And I think, you know, we talk about it a little bit. And I'm shocked at this because at the end of the day, the guys behind the counters, the bookmakers, uh, the ticket writers, they're into this business because they like to gamble as well. And so they get the information from the sharp guys. I'm just shocked. You know, they're not more friendly. It feels like there's this. I guess, sentiment where, hey, we'd rather have the public beat us than the sharp guys. Um, and it's just so odd because a lot of the guys behind the counter booking uh, are getting that information from the sharp guys and betting it on their own. So I'm not sure why there's that disdain for the sharp guys. I think you're exactly right when you mention that point. There are a couple books that do things well. They take advantage of the sharper customers that come into the shop. They create those symbiotic relationships where they can lean on their information 
and shade the market accordingly, going, you know what, we trust these guys, they're long-term winners, and we're willing to openly embrace on the apps or over-the-counter lopsided action on particular games, whether it's NBA totals, whether it's college basketball sides, all right, fine. But when you're talking about playoff games of this magnitude and you openly more or less reject, for lack of a better term, some of that action coming in on a number that you've clearly shaded, I think it's, you know, whether, I don't know if it's ego is the best adjective to use for it. And you mentioned some of the more recreational facing books. I just think it's a long-term business strategy that's flawed when you should be trying to figure out, okay, we know there's going to be sharp action here, but oftentimes on these games, unless you have a very strong opinion, and if you have a strong opinion, even if it's on a playoff game, hey, go ahead and keep your number there. If you think that the market's wrong, stay a half point lower, stay 10 to 15 cents higher uh, on a money line. But when you don't have an opinion on the game and you're just going to senselessly book this way and allow those $100 tickets and parlay action to continue to ratchet things up, uh, it's just mind-boggling to me. And then the fact that they have the audacity to come out and cry foul to the major media outlets, come on, say, hey, you know what? We wanted to keep a position on this game. We were okay incurring a six-figure loss for just that reason. But to say, whoa, me, the public this, the public that, don't give me that line of bullshit. I might have been born at night, pain, but it wasn't last night. Yeah, and, and I think there's probably a middle ground in there somewhere, and, and who knows, maybe these handful of shops out there Maybe they said, listen, we're going to take a stance here. And we know it's kind of a fallacy. It's fantasy land. Every single sports book would love 50-50 action on every single game. 100 guys here, 100 guys there. We have no problem paying this 100. They're $100 when they win if we're taking 110 from the other 100. But that just doesn't happen. So to earn, you are going to have to take some stances along the way. Maybe those guys there felt strongly about Dallas. I can tell you the sharpest guys in the world uh, were on Dallas. Uh, so they probably felt some, you know, comfort in that situation. Um, but I think there has to be a middle ground for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned that 50, 50 action. That's definitely every bookmaker's dream, but it does come with a caveat. Uh, if you have unlimited volume and you can generate millions upon millions, obviously if you're taking smaller bets, uh, not enough to try and keep the lights on. If you're talking about smaller scale 50-50. So I know we talk about it all the time uh, that books don't always angle for 50% of the action on both sides just because there's not enough critical mass out there for, for them to try and book. And you're right, Dallas was a sharp side. Green Bay gets out to the lead and coasts comfortably. My criticism was more on some of the money line liability that gets ratcheted up pretty quickly that you don't need to take. Uh, I still contend that you can book money lines and point spreads as separate markets this time of year. I know there are a lot of guys who don't echo those same sentiments. And, you know, there's a reason I'm on this side of the counter trying to beat those guys, and they're trying to protect the house. But we mentioned best of the number all the time, paying the best tool to get you the best of the number, whether it's a National Football League game, conference championship, Super Bowl, college basketball, baseball, you name the sport. Check out donbest.com backslash bet the board. We have our promotion still going strong for the mobile app. $10 gets you a little bit of a delay for more of a recreational better. If you want to go for the Cadillac edition of 50 bucks a pop, real-time odds right to your iPhone or Android. Great interface. You can customize it just the way you like. I know you are a huge fan of the desktop version, Payne. You and I both run that around the clock. But when we do have to leave our office for about 12 minutes a day, we at least have the uh, comfort of knowing that the mobile app is right there for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the desktop version, you end up getting the mobile live version for free as well, correct? Yep, the mobile. Uh, if you want to spend uh, a little bit more and do the desktop version, you do get a mobile login as well. 
uh, and talk about a, one of the best bundles that's out there. Special pricing does apply, so if anybody's interesting, reach out to us at Bet the Board. We'll help facilitate that discussion with the folks at Don Best. Yeah, without question, I use it every day. It doesn't get logged off unless I'm, you know, restarting my computer, things of that nature. So <laughs> I, I use it every day. And again, uh, the desktop a little bit uh, pricier, but you do get the mobile live odds included when you're on the road. You get what you pay for in this industry. I think oftentimes that's lost on a lot of folks. So check that out, donbest.com backslash bet the board. We know a lot of our listeners have offered positive feedback thus far and are enjoying it, hopefully having a chance to lay the best of the number every time opportunity presents itself. But Payne, before we get to the playoff games and the Can't Beat Meat article that we put out earlier this week, we bring in our weekly contributor, Dave Mason from Bet Online. You can follow Dave on Twitter, at Dave Mason BOL. Okay, Dave, you shared it with us candidly. Last weekend was a bit of a bloodbath, and since we don't sugarcoat anything around these parts... How bad are we talking once the Dallas Cowboys came up short against the Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers end up getting to the window? Uh, what did it end up looking like at Bet Online? Um, much worse <laughs> than the previous weekend. As bad as Wild Card Weekend was, I mean, the divisional round was probably about three times worse. Um, you know, every, every damn side for the public covered i think we won a few props here and there but you know everything else spreads totals teasers parlays money lines i mean the parlays was the biggest i mean it, it spreads all the all the sides covered on public sides covered on a spread so it's obviously bad but parlays we paid out four times more on parlays compared to straight wagers on spreads. so it, there's just no way to put it i mean the, the, the players just bent us over last weekend you mentioned teasers in there too, Dave. Have those kind of been a thorn in your side, not only in the postseason but the regular season as well? I feel like a lot of the primetime games were falling pretty close to the number, allowing you to tease favorite underdog over under. It really didn't matter what permutation you were trying to go to the window with. Yeah, teasers have been horrible all year. Um, it, it, it's been – I think our hold going into this weekend – was about one percent, a shade over one percent for the year on teasers, and and that's that's just unheard of. You know, teasers has always been thought of to be a sucker bet. <laughs> you know, just between the three of us, of course. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think I think they're sucker bet on us now. <laughs> I think I think uh, you know you're a sucker if you're not betting teasers now. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. They're they're always hitting left and right. It's, I think, a credit to how efficient the NFL market has become and how tight those numbers are. As numbers you know, get to be more spot on, it creates a little bit of opportunity for teasers. But I don't want to spend all of our time with you this week, Dave, dwelling on some of the negatives. You guys actually had the foresight to hang a pretty interesting prop this week about where Tony Romo will be playing his football in 2017. I guess it's kind of a two-part question for me. How's the action been on that prop? And more importantly, how did you guys end up deciding on what prices to use before you even open that market? Yeah, no, the action's been really good. Anytime you, you, you open something like that on a big-name player, you get really good action. I mean, I'm thinking back a few years ago when LeBron James is making his decision and the Peyton Manning tour. I mean, those are probably two of the most popular props we've ever um, offered as far as action went. Uh, we got killed on that Peyton Manning prop. I remember that when he was getting on a plane. To, everybody, I think everybody thought he was signed, sealed, and delivered to Miami. And then they show him at an airport getting on a plane to Denver or something. And everybody's betting him at like 20 to 1 or something. I forget what the number was, but we got murdered on that one. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, they're they're a lot of fun to hang and you know a lot of spec. Kind of a little tough to come up with number. You know, you're, you're looking at you're looking at rumors and what what team needs a quarterback and and you know, what what team could realistically sign someone like a Romo and his contract. You know, you, you look at Texans. You know, you think they would be an ideal choice for him to land because you know they're a good team. They just really need a de- desperately need a quarterback. But you know, then they got that Osweiler, Osweiler contract hanging over their head. So is is that really a realistic spot? But um, as far as action goes, forty uh, percent of the bets right now are on the Broncos. Um, I guess that maybe I think a lot of people are probably thinking, you know, what they did with Peyton Manning a few years back that that might be a good place for him to land. Uh, we took a sharp bet on the Cowboys at eight, plus eight hundred. That's now down to plus six fifty. But uh, Chief, Chiefs, Cowboys, and Broncos have taken on most of the action. Be interesting. We'll of course offer our thoughts uh, with Payne later in the podcast, so maybe you guys will see a little bit more sharp action trickling in on, on that particular market. While we're on the prop side of things, Super Bowl look ahead lines. We know you guys hung them earlier in the week. Uh, what have those numbers looked like, and have you guys seen any action, you know, public or otherwise thus far? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we we've seen plenty of action. Um, we have it right currently. We we had opened a few a little high and then they then went went up even higher, then back down. But right now we have the Steelers minus one versus the Falcons. Action split pretty fifty fifty on that. Uh, Packers and Steelers are a pick. More money on the Packers. Uh, Patriots Packers. Patriots are minus three and a half currently, and the Patriots minus three over the Falcons. Um, people are betting the Packers over yeah, at plus three and a half and Patriots at minus three and a half against the Falcons. Dave, as we transition to this weekend, awesome. uh, we I know mean, the players' pockets you know, are that, fat that's right kinda now. How's Handel been, looking so know, far? Pounding away at over to, I don't know, how's it, how's it been, how long has it been that I've been whining about us losing probably since November? I know we've ended December really good, but the, first part of december was bad and then these then the second part of december was good but i know your listeners probably tired of me talking about it but it, you know that that's what happens when 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 the players win is our active numbers go up and people are betting on more stuff and this weekend i mean the action right now is just awesome we're, we're looking for a record-setting weekend worth of action i think we'll definitely exceed last year's conference championship weekend that's the way it's looking. So, yeah, that the action's really good right now. Um, the, oh, yeah. Speaking of that action, I mean, what are we looking like right yep, now? Any sharp, glaring public uh, sides, needs for Pittsburgh the houses, any sharp money coming Atlanta in minus this week? Four, as far as public is concerned in the Green Bay-Atlanta game, um, 68% of the bets are on Green Bay and the points. Money line is going to be huge again. Um, 90% of the bets are on the Packers, which is about plus 175 right now. That humongous over-under, people are still betting the over 60 points. About 76% of the bets are on the over. Uh, the Pittsburgh game, the spread, about 66% of the bets and 67% of money are on the Patriots, which is currently minus 5.5. The the, the money line, there's really not much of a decision, and about 60% of the bets are on the over 50 and a half. 
I mean, Dave, if you want to drop that Falcons money line a little bit, I can make a few phone calls and help balance <laughs> you guys out from that 90% pretty quickly if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it going down too much. I mean, you know, you get a lot of that on Twitter. Like, why, why don't you just lower it? Why don't you just keep lowering it to get money? And it's like, you got to think long. If you're booking one game for the rest of your life, maybe the Super Bowl you do something like that. But you start, you start, uh, you start offering too many discounts. And and that's gonna hurt your long term. You, you know what I mean? You, you just gotta think long term. For all those games that we get our tails handed to us, where people think that there's just so much more value on the Green Bay, there's always an opposite. There's always that game a few weeks ago or last week that that was just the opposite, where people thought your line was too low and everybody pounded that. Side. What was it? That Patriots game we won like a month ago. Is this was it the Vikings game or? I forget where everybody – it was like a record-setting action, and, and everybody thought the number was too low, and everybody's pounding the side, and we ended up winning that one. So you, you win so much more. So you're going to cut into your profits if you start you know, offering too much of a discount, maybe five cents or so, but it's not – you're not going to get a huge discount, not not here. We'll have, to, we'll, have, you know, we'll have some thoughts on that. We can uh, take take that off the air and discuss some – thought process there from the bookmaking perspective as far as promotions for listeners that are looking to load up going into championship weekend and of course you guys will unveil a laundry list of props i would imagine at some point next week uh what kind of things can they expect at the shop yeah well super bowl props will be going live probably tuesday through thursday tuesday will be the you know the more the generic stuff easier stuff to put up like like you know um uh, team to score first, that kind of stuff. But by Thursday, you know, a lot of the player props will be going up. Some of the exotic stuff, which is always a lot of fun. Um, but for as far as promotions are concerned, we still have the sign up bonus. If you do not have a bet online account, we got a 75% welcome bonus waiting for you. Use promo code 75BTB on your first ever deposit to get a 75% bonus for the sports book. If you already have a bet online account and you do not have not taken advantage of the reload bonus yet, use promo code 50BTB for a one-time 50% reload bonus. The max bonus on either of those is 1,000 bucks, and all the terms and conditions can be found at promotions.betonline.ag/bettheboard. One final thing: tomorrow is the inauguration for Donald Trump. We have a ton of odds open for his speech. Um, stuff like over under how many times he says make America great again um, the length of the, the speech is over under 15 minutes how many times he's going to tweet tomorrow over under four and a half so head over to our politics section to check out all those odds that's Dave Mason you can follow him on Twitter at Dave Mason BOL joins us each and every Thursday throughout the football season Dave I'm sure you'll be in all the prayers of our listeners as they root for you to have an NFL weekend that ends up in the black. Sounds good, guys. Have a good weekend. A little Tony Romo action there from uh, Dave Mason Payne, talking about where we think uh, old number nine is going to take his first snap or, I guess, land a roster. Probably should have gotten stipulations ironed out there from Dave. But when we look at Tony Romo and all the headlines he commanded, Dak Prescott, in my opinion, showed that, hey, that he's going to be the face of the Cowboys franchise. I know Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett don't quite want to sign off on that, and of course that may be a little bit of posturing and prisoner's dilemma trying to drive up the price for Romo. The Broncos' odds-on favorite you heard from Dave Mason. Does that surprise you? Or more importantly, I guess, does that seem like a logical landing spot for him in 2017? 
I think it does because of Elway. He can sell it. There's already been the Manning blueprint, um, and it's yielded championships. So I think that's there. You Then you just kind of have to question the offensive line. Wasn't great this year. Are they going to add to that? Didn't get the ground game going. Cold weather. We know kind of the toll that takes if you have creaky old bones and back ailments. Uh, don't, Texans, pick, don't pick Don't pick. on me right now just because I'm the old man on this podcast. Uh, the Texans do make sense. You stay in the same state. The team's absolutely loaded from top to bottom other than their quarterback. And then you talk about the AFC South. It seems like a pretty, pretty easy destination if you can, you know, navigate the old Tom Brady. Um, others, I saw other numbers here. The Jets... Buffalo, it just seems like too much turmoil there. Again, cold weather, dealing with Brady in division. Uh, You know what's a sneaky one, and I know they're the long shot, and I'm not saying that this is going to ever come to fruition, but you're talking about Ryan Tannehill and his knee. I know he's strengthening it. They're going to go in in April and decide if it needs some type of surgery. Right now they think it's an MCL there was some damage to the ACL. What if they go in there and suddenly they see some damage that is going to require a full ACL repair and he's out for the season? Are they going to go to Matt Moore? Is that going to be their guy or do they call and dial up Tony Romo? Warm weather, not that far of a travel, no state tax. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens there with Ryan Tannehill's knee and if they feel confident in Matt Moore. And if they don't, as a one- to two-year stopgap, we know Adam Gase, the quarterback whisperer. Maybe there'll be a little relationship built there. Uh, so, But I think it'll be tough. It will be tough for Jerry Jones to let his his little son leave <laughs> Dallas. I think that's going to be tough. Spread his wings. Well, you heard Dave say they took a sharp bet on the Cowboys. That number opened 8-1 to one, down to about 6.5-1. to one. Do we think the Cowboys aren't getting enough aren't getting strong enough consideration as far as the current market price on this particular prop that there may hey maybe there's better than a 50-50 shot Tony comes back and openly embraces the backup role. I just refuse to believe that they're going to have a full-blown quarterback competition given what Dak brought to the table and the way he's kind of commanded the locker room because I know Dallas lost last weekend and there were a couple poor throws from him, but he wasn't the reason they lost to the Packers and that their season came to a premature end. No, he was not the reason. He actually was, was pretty fantastic. He remains very efficient. He wasn't the reason. I think you kind of go forward with this youth movement of Dak, Dez, and Zeke compiled with that offensive line. I think you'll just look towards the future. That's the one benefit you're going to have uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. You have this great window that's going to last about three years, and we saw it with Seattle, where if you can get Romo off your books – Suddenly, you can spend a ton of money on defense and depth, and you're going to keep Dak there with his rookie contract. It really gives you a huge bonus. Now, things will change in four years when Dak goes to sign his $100 million-plus deal. If we get that far, and that's kind of what we've seen with Seattle now that Russ has gotten paid, uh, there's not as much depth. There's some holes in some areas, but right now is your window to go young. Get Romo off your books if Jerry really wants a Super Bowl here before he... uh, Moves on to greener pastures in life. Yeah, you're essentially <laughs> talking about taking that money, as you mentioned, from Romo, getting an elite pass rusher, probably something Dallas wants to focus on this offseason, looking for a lockdown cover corner, and how quickly we forget about the draft pick waiting in the wings that hasn't taken a snap yet. If Jalen Smith can come out there, all of a sudden you're talking about maybe three impact players by losing Tony Romo, and a defense that was more or less their Achilles heel uh, can potentially play to a strength under Rod Marinelli's leadership. Yeah, without question. I think that's probably the game plan. It'll be interesting if Tony Romo says, listen, 
spent my entire career in Dallas. My family's here. My house is here. This is where I want to retire. Eventually, I'm going to end up in the front office of this organization. Um, it's going to be an interesting dilemma here. Is he going to be self-aware? Is he going to look in the mirror and say, listen, I'm getting injured every single year now. Let's look at the long-term health effects. Am I okay? Being a backup, taking a pay cut. It'll be interesting to see, but certainly Elway, I think, propositions him with with something that he's going to have to debate. Yeah, it should be interesting to keep tabs on that. Clearly one of the biggest names that will most likely change addresses this offseason, but Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys season is over. The team they lost to the last weekend of the Green Bay Packers, they continue to march on under the leadership of Aaron Rodgers. Atlanta, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at Bet Online this weekend as they play host to the Green Bay Packers. Total on this game, 60. One of the better regular season games we saw earlier this season between these two teams, a one-point Falcon win. Game went over the total. Falcons don't cover as modest two-and-a-half-point chalk, depending on the closing line. But, Payne, I want to start this discussion uh, with a question that I think you may call dumb, but I'm sure it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. How do you begin to quantify Aaron Rodgers right now at the high level he's playing at with the hot hand? I don't think you can. <laughs> I really, <laughs> you know, I, I think at some point here, uh, you know, the Falcons are going to end up being the sharp side. Took a little sharp money uh, early in the week. It's do you want to go against him? It's, you know, rewind to the 90s. It's Jordan in the zone kind of thing going on here. And it's tough to quantify that. You kind of just have to plug your nose and say, listen, I'm going to go by my numbers, by my metrics, what this game, you know, where the edges are. Uh, It's not just Aaron Rodgers. Now, when I look at this, there's not a lot of weapons around him. The defense isn't that great, but the offensive line's been fantastic. Aaron Rodgers dropped back 47 times last week, only saw pressure on seven of them. So not only is Aaron Rodgers elite, but he's even better when he has time. We saw the uh, improvisation late in that game on the 37-yard pass to set up the game-winning field goal, but the offensive line's giving him time, and he's getting it out quick. Uh, That's the big... That's where this offense has really progressed. He's he's staying in tune with the offense, Um, and that's really, you know, what him uh, and the... There's a head-butting going on, so to speak, Uh, with the head coach early on in the season. Too much improvisation, but now that he's staying within the confines of the offense, getting it out quick, and a great offensive line, this has just really been uh, a monster offensively. And I think a lot of people go, well, Payne and Todd, the reason that he didn't see pressure on all those dropbacks was because Dallas doesn't have an elite pass rusher. But this is a Green Bay offensive line, Payne, pass efficiency-wise, and you look at their numbers from an offensive line efficiency standpoint, they've been at the top of the league all season long. Yeah. T.J. Lang, uh, he's been the only other pro bowler um, with Aaron Rodgers the last few seasons. Uh, I believe Clinton Dix got in there uh, last year, but this year you're talking Aaron Rodgers, T.J. Lang. Uh, a little scare last week when he went down. Bakhtiari went down last week as well, came back into the game. So that offensive line is really the driving force. And they are getting Ty Montgomery implemented into the run game. Now, they're not using him a lot. I believe he had 11 carries last week, did burst one for 15. But there's that added dimension where Ty Montgomery gives him a little bit of burst. And then again, he's just a matchup nightmare on linebackers out of the backfield. So the reemergence of the ground game a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers is the driving force. And it's right now, it's, it's Michael Jordan in his own type stuff going on. 
And the Falcons, we know defensively, no one is going to confuse this current 2016-17 edition with the 1985 Bears. But they do have an elite pass rusher in the form of Vic Beasley. If you were the Green Bay Packers, we'll put you in the shoes of the offensive coordinator. How do you scheme to at least slow down Beasley? And if you're Atlanta on the other side, how do you make sure Beasley is freed up? Because he's going to have to wreak havoc, not giving Rodgers 7 to 10 seconds, I know I'm exaggerating, to sit back there, survey the field, and pick apart a Falcon secondary that gave up its fair share of big plays to the Seahawks last week as well. (laughs) Yeah, the Falcons' defense isn't great. They have made some strides a lot of the young talent getting acclimated to the system. I know uh, Claiborne's down this week. It's a significant loss for that defense. You just want somebody that can make some plays here or there, and he could do that, make a negative play, set the offense behind the chains. Vic Beasley, obviously the guy you have to focus on, but you have a great offensive line, I'm pretty sure, just knowing the egos of those guys, they're going to want to go mano a mano. They're not going to provide a ton of help initially. They'll adjust as the game goes on. If it's needed, because if you can slow down Vic Beasley, there's going to be lots of opportunity there to attack that Falcons secondary. When we talk about secondary, some injury concerns on both sides, obviously of differing severity. Jordy Nelson, it's still a long shot to play, would be a breath of fresh air for that Green Bay receiving core. Julio Jones on the other side did not practice on Wednesday. We know he's been nursing a re-aggravated turf toe. When we try and figure out how these guys are going to look, Julio Jones we know is going to play 75-80% at best, and I guess the question on the other side for Green Bay, they may be able to get some reinforcements back in their secondary to slow down Julio in this high-powered Atlanta passing attack. Yeah, right now McCarthy has alluded to Quentin Rollins progressive progressing nicely, he says. Uh, so that will be an added bonus to that secondary. Not sure how great he is, but it's certainly a bonus. Morgan Burnett's the guy that you're going to want to focus on went down in that Dallas game uh, on the play where Butler was flagged for a penalty and it was negated. So Morgan Burnett, you're going to want to monitor that. He's a huge addition to that secondary if they can get him back healthy. Hasn't practiced yet. Today's probably the better indicator. Uh, and again, tomorrow if he's able to go this weekend. So you want to monitor that. Julio Jones reaggravated the toe, said he was completely healthy last week. Probably some lip surface said he was as healthy as he's been since the start of the season. He's obviously going to be a key cog. You're going to want him. I know there's a bevy of other weapons and running backs and things of that nature, but just you look at what Matt Ryan um, and Julio Jones have in terms of chemistry last week alone. Passes to Julio Jones. Matt Ryan recorded a 139 passer rating, so he's a key cog. He opens things up, opens space for others, so... uh, him not being 100% certainly hurts a little bit, but he's a, he's going to go. You mentioned Ryan, and I don't want to neglect what he's been able to put together kind of under the radar and somewhat overshadowed by Aaron Rodgers uh, during this long-standing Packers win streak. Most explosive offense, do we give the edge to the Falcons in this game, having, the more, having more firepower on that side than the Green Bay Packers? They're number one in explosive pass plays, that's for sure. And shockingly, Green Bay, uh, a little bit more explosive in the ground game when you look at explosive plays. Uh, So that might even out just a little bit. But I think when you talk about this Falcons team, if they are going to continue to do what they're doing, it's going to be because of those explosive plays. We talked about this at the top of the podcast. Had six last week, another eight chunk plays. Probably could have been more uh, on a yards per play basis. 6.7 yards per play, towering over everybody else. And that's without the noise backed out. And they're doing it 
both passing and in the ground game. Uh, 9.1 yards per pass attempt last week. I know when you back out some of the noise of Matt Ryan's three rush attempts for negative three on Neal's, you're talking about four yards per carry on the ground as well. So it's really a dual attack, and we've just clamored for Shanahan all season long. He really attacks the opponent's weaknesses, really gets his best players and opportunities to succeed, and that's why he's going to go on to be a head coach likely this year for the San Francisco 49ers. That's a, that's a different topic for a different day, trying to figure out if he's signing his own death sentence going to San Francisco, knowing that he has a quote-unquote blank slate, a.k.a. he has no talent uh, up there to try and deal with. Payne, when we look at this number, we heard Dave mention earlier in the show that Atlanta saw some sharp money. You mentioned it here that we know the Falcons are going to take money from the professionals. Four and a half at Bet Online. Do we think this number continues to trend up? Will there be potential value on the money line if you want to back Atlanta? And if our listeners want to try and uh, go to the Aaron Rodgers wall one more time, should they move now or should they wait to try and potentially grab maybe a, a six if the market decides to flash one or two? Always a tough question trying to figure out where the market's going to head. Certainly at four, there was some value there professionals got out ahead it's just a matter of if the market can hold and we saw a similar situation last week to a lesser extent uh, where there was some public liability uh, on the Seattle Seahawks uh, split 50-50 action when it came to uh, the point spread last week but this week again overwhelming support for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers it will be interesting I know game day uh, you get a wave of sharp money like we saw last week on Atlanta. That number opened three and a half, closed six and a half. I think we're going to see professionals on Atlanta again this week. We already saw a little taste at four. I'm not sure how high this can go. Maybe it tops off at five and a half because of that public sentiment in this standalone spot. I think we're probably where this number is going to sit, five, five and a half. I think that makes the most sense. You don't want to dip back below to a key or up to a key unless you absolutely have to. If you go to six here, now you're offering the public uh, a key number. And six, uh, that number is very vital since we've moved the extra points back. It's been the largest increase um, in terms of the number that means the most. Um, Still three and seven, but six has seen the largest hike up. So I'm not sure you get to six. Total at 60 and a half, absolutely massive. I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable going under uh, the, the total in this game, especially if one of these two teams gets up, say, 10 or 14 points and one elects to play the chuck and duck game. Uh, but were you surprised <laughs> to see books hang a number this big since more often than not the thought process is, oh, well, we have to stop it, you know, 56, 56 and a half, 57. Uh, but this time they kind of said the hell with it. We're going to hang a massive number and dare people to go under. Yeah, usually you get a hard stop at those numbers. Not so much here. And I think it's probably pretty smart. Talked to a couple totals betters this week, and they said, you know, books are just making stuff up. And that's probably true. Uh, they probably had this game at 57. But at 60, 60 and a half, are sharp guys going to step in front of that? Uh, three points, certainly some value in your numbers. But when you start getting this high of a total, those numbers' value starts to diminish a little bit. Are you getting in front of that mess? No. And when you talk about <laughs> dealing to the public, <laughs> they're not going to stop. A stop sign isn't going to prevent them. You know, if you hang this 57, they're going over. If you hang it 60, they're going over. There is no stop sign for the public on this total. Um, and I'm not saying that the public doesn't get there. They potentially could. You talk about, you know, neither, both great quarterbacks, both great offenses, and the defense is not providing um, any stopping power, so to speak. So, 
I'm certainly not going to jump in front of this and go under just because there is a couple points of value. That's for sure. Yeah, I think it's all about how the game flows. If Atlanta decides they want to establish the ground game and keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines, then yeah, it's going to put a premium there if you can sustain longer drives. I just don't think either of those defenses are immune to giving up chunk yardage and or big plays. I will ask you this question, and this is more philosophy. It really doesn't impact the handicap. If you're the head coach, you're Coach Quinn, you're Coach McCarthy, you win the coin toss. Do you still follow the deferring method and allow Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers to get that potential 7-0 lead on you, trusting your defense to get the extra possession to start the second half? You know, it's the sharp philosophy. It's the sharp mindset. But when you're offense first, it would make some sense getting the ball and going. Uh, Last week, maybe you thought the time off, the week off, might make your offense a little out of rhythm. I, I don't know the thought process there. Yeah, I mean, I think coaches. The... I think coaches just decide, hey, this is what we are. This is what we're going to do. This is what makes sense. This is what the sharpest guys do, and we're going to adhere to that. Um, but in a game like this, in a shootout, maybe you you take the extra possession. That's going to be the key to this game. Both of these offenses are going to go up and down. Which team can get the turnover? Which team can? Um, alleviate an extra possession from the opponent's offense. That's going to be the key when you get to a total this large pace of play and if you're holding to field goals. We yeah, saw I mean, in the Seattle game. Field goals game, are wins. Field yeah, goals are wins. Yep, yeah, and we saw in that, that Seattle game last week, there was literally three possessions what felt like halfway through the second quarter. There's only two possessions in the entire first quarter. Um, so when you're going over a number like 60 and a half, and you look at an Atlanta team and a Green Bay team that actually play slower than people think. They're both in the bottom half in terms of pace, and suddenly some field goals start getting kicked. It's going to be tough to go over 16.5. We know there's not a lot of resistance when it comes to the Falcons' red zone defense, but that's going worst, to be the key. Worst in the league. Get touchdowns. Yep, worst in the league in that particular category. I believe the number they gave last week, giving up touchdowns over 70% of the time. So it's up to Atlanta to pl- try and play boomer bust defense, force a turnover, because once Green Bay gets into scoring territory, things may not end well uh, in this game. So it should be a great watch. Uh, points of plenty, and I think uh, we're seeing two of the quarterbacks playing at the top of their game, and most likely the MVP in the form of Matt Ryan, if you're asking me right now. I think he takes home the hardware, regardless of how this game goes. We do, of course, have another big game, pain and the Big Game Breakdown brought to you courtesy of the American Gaming Association. However, before we get there, football season is winding down. It allows for other pursuits, travel, forms of recreation. We decided to lend an olive branch and kind of suggest a few of our favorite steakhouses out here for our loyal listeners. Should they be making the pilgrimage to the desert for the big game? for conferences or conventions throughout the month of February, or, of course, March Madness, which will be here before we know it, um, we, we got some blowback. Uh, I think people were a little bit unhappy that we didn't include uh, their favorite can't-beat-meat spots uh, on our article earlier this week on Bet the Board. I think the biggest thing with lists are they're opinion-based, and we're all different as humans, so we're going to prefer different things. I'm a traditional guy myself, don't explore as much with food as I'd like, or, or you know, I kind of stay in my comfort zone, give me a great piece of meat, cooked well, uh, that's how, you know, I like it, a little potato puree, maybe I get crazy, a little honey carrots, uh, but, you know, classic dessert, all that stuff, and I'm happy, uh, I'm not out in, in Vegas as much as you are. Um, I know you're you're Casanova. You do the dating thing, so you, you get out to a lot of these. I'm not taking places. I'm not taking most of my dates to these steakhouses, willing to drop four or five hundred bucks for a meal, unless I know they're sticking around for a little while. 
You're a regular Don Juan. Yeah, no wonder Don. the ladies don't want anything to do with you. Uh, I was waiting for that. I've heard that line one too many times. Grumpy old I was men. waiting for you to deliver it. Grumpy old men, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, we did. We put together a list and appreciate all the feedback that our listeners gave us. Of course, uh, we gave SW at the win high marks. It was actually where we birthed the idea for the Bet the Board podcast. Always some sentimental value there. Golden Steer, which I don't think you've been to off the strip. Uh, right up there by SLS. Carnivino, more of an Italian-style steakhouse. Your personal favorite uh, craft steak at the MGM. And uh, Del Frisco's, where we've had some dinner and cocktails with a few of our industry colleagues over over the past couple of years. So those were the steakhouses that made our list. Uh, appreciate folks that recommended Vic and Anthony's in the Golden Nugget. Mastro's, available uh, in the Crystal Shops, right adjacent to Aria locations, I believe, in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, and Phoenix as well. I'm trying to think of some of the other spots. Came up Strip House at Planet Hollywood, mentioned a few times. And then uh, an Italian joint, Piero's off the strip, old school feel. Didn't think that that quite classified as a steakhouse, though. I, I did Piero's last time I was in Vegas. I went Italian, kept it old school Italian. There was a guest that uh, got this the person I went with is like 80 pounds decided to go with like the KC Tomahawk steak seasoned. It was like, came to the table. It was like 40 ounces. It was like massive. Good to they see you dating. Good to see you dating no, 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 European no. gymnast. I wasn't going to say the heritage of this person, but it was actually a guy numbers guy. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> here we go. Di- didn't, didn't like the steak. So that's why it's more of an Italian place. Piero's. Yes, they offer the steak, but uh, I didn't want to put it on the steak list. It's more of an Italian spot, which I like. Thought the I mean, Italian we can we can do good. Italian restaurants later, and of course, if uh, our Il Molino baby, listener, you did that last night. Yeah, I did Il Molino last night. Uh, a little bit of Chianti, some eggplant parm, top top shelf. I know that's a personal favorite of uh, Dave Mason, but we can put together all sorts of Vegas restaurant recommendations, nightclubs, and all that. So if you have suggestions, tweet them to us at Bet the Board Pod. Happy to put together kind of an insider's guide to. What takes place in Las Vegas? Always want to steer our listeners in the right direction. And if you're not following Payne on Twitter for helpful life advice, encourage you to do so <laughs> at Payne Insider. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Todd Furman. Payne Steelers Patriots brought to you by the American Gaming Association, as we mentioned before. AmericanGaming.org. You can follow them on Twitter at Ammer Gaming ASSN. We know that they are continuing to push for legalization in a city coming to you in the near future since it's the mission of the AGA to be the single most effective champion of the industry relentlessly protecting against harmful and often misinformed public policies and paving a path for growth innovation and reinvestment if you'd like to sign up for their newsletter americangaming.org slash about slash contact all sorts of great press releases right to your inbox Bet online right now, Payne. New England, a five and a half point favorite. Lay a dollar fifteen on the home favorite total on this game. Fifty and a half. So many different ways to go with this particular game. We hit on New England's struggles a bit last week against the Houston Texans. The Steelers look like anything but a well-oiled machine offensively. And we saw that road red zone offense rear its ugly head, scoring touchdowns on 37% of their possessions. But I guess we should start with Antonio Brown. Relevant to the handicap or just plain stupid with his Facebook Live video that he put out there after the win against Kansas City? Stupid. I don't think it has any relevance here. I think that was actually pretty calm 
locker room banter. I'm sure there's much worse that goes on in the locker rooms in terms of talk of the opposing team, especially from Tomlin. So pure stupidity. And you made note of this when we talked back and forth about it. He was so excited about 40,000 <laughs> Facebook Live listeners. And he didn't quite remember that probably hundreds of millions watched him play the game. Uh, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, we're active on social. We do what we can to try and grow our audience. But I don't understand the fixation of doing these interviews and getting so excited. You're a football. I mean, it's not like you're playing in a league that nobody's heard of or a player trying to build a name. You're one of the elite wide receivers. Millions of people are watching you every single Sunday. And yet you're excited about 40,000 people watching your post-game broadcast from the locker room uh, in the midst of a victory celebration and your coach's address, Ben Roethlisberger. I just had to scratch my head. I watched that thing twice and just made me laugh. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, in terms of what they did in the red zone, uh, thank God we didn't uh, bet that, pl- that prop because I know a lot of the Sharp guys were looking under three and a half field goals in that game and <laughs> that did not bear out very well as, as the postseason hasn't done for a lot of the Sharp guys. I, I think it is, again, we talk about the NFL. It's a small sample size sport. Uh, there's just not a ton of games. And when you look at eight regular season road games, they're, I, I think the Steelers' numbers get drastically skewed a little bit. Um, you talk about a throwaway game at Philly. It was just kind of a bad spot. They no-showed there. Big Ben gets injured on the road against Miami. Does play a majority of the snaps that game, but uh, was a shell of himself dealing with the knee injury that we found out was pretty severe. Decides to come back a couple weeks later on the road at Baltimore at 50-60%. So... I think those three games really skewed things uh, along with the the EPL matchup that broke out last week at Arrowhead. Yeah, I mean, nothing but booting field goals. And like we said, if you're Kansas City, you tell them going in, hey, you guys are going to be the only ones to score touchdowns. You're going to do it twice, and you're still going to lose a football game. I have to imagine that the Chiefs would have signed off. Uh, But alas, the two best quarterbacks, or at least the ones with the most pedigree in the AFC, advance for this. Payne, when we look at these games, I mean, we know Tom Brady, we know Big Ben, we know what these offenses can do when they start running downhill, but I think we have to talk defense here, and New England's defense been one of the more polarizing units. You see so many folks, well, New England hasn't played quarterbacks, they played Russell Wilson. I got news for you, the Steelers haven't exactly encountered a murderer's row. There aren't elite-level quarterbacks week in, week out, anywhere in the league, let alone the AFC, Uh, but in the current state, in your opinion, who has the better defense right now for this matchup? It's so tough because I I don't want to say this, but I feel like both teams are a little overrated. When you look at who they've played and you take a look at the AFC in general, just take a glance at that. The AFC South, the Houston Texans, not very good. The Dolphins probably overachieved. They were a negative point differential this year. We talk about the Oakland Raiders and looking at them. Defense wasn't very good. Then Carr goes down. We know the ceiling and the limitations on Kansas City and Alex Smith and Andy Reid. The AFC just wasn't very good this year. And when I break this game down, I'm like, man, both these teams are really overrated. Um, So that scares me a little bit. When you talk about defensive red zone, we know the Patriots employ that bend but don't break. They have done okay stopping the run. But when you look at success rate in the red zone from a stopping the run perspective, Pittsburgh's actually better. Seventh in that category, stopping the run inside the red zone. Patriots check in at 19th. I think the big key here is offensively in the red zone. New England doesn't have Gronk, doesn't have the explosive pass attack that we've seen the last few years. Yes, top 10 in that category, but 
when they get into the red zone, that's where they're elite. Number two in red zone offense. Pittsburgh, no slouch themselves. are so looking at this from a success rate uh, metric, 15th offensively in the red zone. So I think a lot of those road woes uh, being skewed to a throwaway game and then some injuries from Big Ben. To me, when I look at this game, uh, the matchup that's going to really determine it is the Patriots' pass rush. Uh, can they get to Big Ben? If you've been a loyal follower of Bet the Board this season, we've touched on this numerous times. New England simply not getting to the quarterback. Last week they did a little bit better, but I think that's primarily Brock. He holds on to the ball forever. Uh, he lacks that mental processing time, and it, that's kind of what's funny. It makes his check down, uh, you know, it's so it's just mind-boggling how he checks the ball down. But Patriots, 27th an adjusted sack rate and right now this Steelers offensive line they're like Fort Knox man they're getting um they might actually be trending better than Dallas's offensive line they're fourth in allowed sack rate and trending up so you know a week ago at Arrowhead Houston Holly Ford Big Ben was pressured just three times on 31 dropbacks so uh can you get pressure on Big Ben that's the key he's dealing with some nagging injuries not fully healthy from the knee uh Cam Wake hit him late, still dealing with the ankle. He doesn't look like he's in great shape. Now, I know he's never been in great shape, but right now <laughs> he looks a little bit plump. And when you can get pressure on Big Ben, his passer rating dips 35 points, and he's got a one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio when the heat is on. So that's going to be the key matchup. If you're watching this game, can the Patriots get any semblance of a pass rush? And if you're Bill Belichick... Uh, we know what he likes to do. He's gonna if he's gonna lose a football game, he's going to make you beat him with his second with secondary options. Pittsburgh obviously has the luxury where they have a t- two elite level skill position players in the form of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Obviously, safe to say that New England is going to do everything they can to make Pittsburgh one dimensional, take away the run, and go. You know what, Big Ben, you're gonna beat us with your arm. You're gonna have to throw it forty times. And it's going to be Antonio Brown, this, that, or the other. And you're going to have to spread it around to some of your secondary options in that receiving core. It's nice. It sounds great. It's what Belichick has done in the past. Couldn't do it with Landry Jones. Bell went over 100, was still coming back. Not fully acclimated to the offense yet off the suspension. And you had Landry Jones. Still went over 100 yards. Now you have Big Ben. I'm just not sure they're going to completely stop that. I know last week... We thought maybe Bell was a little bit banged up. Tomlin gave him every single carry, but the KC rush defense is an atrocity. We yeah, hit he didn't on get that. touched. I went back and watched that game. He didn't get touched on most of those carries, Payne, until he was three and a half, four yards downfield. That's how good the offensive line has been. But he didn't have that burst. Didn't look very explosive. Uh, I don't think he's a hundred percent healthy. And one thing we looked at. The, you know, this week 17, they gave Bell off. It came at the perfect time from weeks 11 through 16. He had 40 more touches than the next closest player in the NFL. Bell was completely beat up. He gets his week off in, in week 17, comes back against the Dolphins, gets a full load there again last week. It's going to be interesting to see how he holds up. I know he's not 100%, so... I'm just not certain what this Patriots defense is. It scares me. Now, I can tell you, Mason's spot on. There was sharp money at six. 
my gut tells on, me. On the underdog, just to be clear in case folks missed that, there was sharp money on the Steelers at six. Yes, obviously. Steelers at six. Yep. There was a little resistance at four and a half. Now, the bet splits aren't overly overwhelming, but when you talk about a game of this magnitude with this much action and handle, you know, 57-43, that can really slant your books in a game this big. Um, at four you'll and a half, cha- that, wasn't have- just, that wasn't just... Square money. Uh, there was a difference of opinion uh, on the Patriots at four and a half. You I kind mean, of is... have that same feeling. Something feels weird here. This just yeah, feels I like mean, one of those is... games where the Patriots play their best game of the season. Exactly. I don't want to say that the Patriots mailed in last week against the Texans, but you watch their body language. We've seen Tom Brady get fired up. Didn't get the feeling that the Patriots were ever really threatened by the Texans. It was kind of, all right, we're going to show as little as possible, go out there with a workmanlike victory. And they're the only team, I joked about it on social media, that we can say they played poorly, and yet they covered as a 17-point favorite. Now, Knowing so your opponent be- maybe a little bit? Knowing yeah. what Bill O'Brien can offer you? Probably it, it, not that it, scary. Exactly. And I think we're going to see a steady dose of Deion Lewis, who I'll make the case is the most explosive weapon that New England has going for them on their offense. I think James White only catching one ball last week. He's going to play a much more prominent role. And as we've seen... Uh, you talked about the Patriots' ability to get pressure on the Steelers. Will New England be able to slow down the pass rush of Pittsburgh that's been showing a little bit of resurgence? Bud Dupree playing on another level. James Harrison, the ageless wonder. Amazing what you can do to your body with work ethic like he has and $350,000 in supplements uh, and treatments to keep you on the field. But you saw Kansas City try and run right at Harrison with Tyreek Hill. I think you're going to see New England employ some you know, a lot of pre-snap eye candy to keep Pittsburgh off balance a, a little bit. But I ask you this, I mean, is it reason to panic for New England with some of their offensive struggles, or was that an anomaly? I guess the last two playoff games, and there's prominent media folks that have said, hey, this is two games in a row that Brady hasn't looked his best against good defenses last year in the AFC Championship against the Denver Broncos and this year against the Houston Texans. We've seen and discussed the great progression of the Pittsburgh defense, maybe a little bit based on who they've played uh, towards the end of the season. But yes, they decided to go younger in the secondary, starting a lot of their younger guys that they drafted, Burns, um, Bud Dupree coming on nicely. The one thing I'll tell you this is Blunt's going to be a little bit more acclimated this week, I would think, in a game like this. He was dealing with the flu last week. Not a lot of people knew that. That's why he didn't get a boatload of the touches. Deion Lewis is a nice part, and in what's shocking stat is the Patriots are 15-0 and when he starts a game and is available to play. So Deion Lewis is certainly the X factor. One thing I will tell you is Ryan Shazier may be not great in the ground defense, but he's fantastic in coverage, so that'll be an interesting matchup. Deion Lewis and Ryan Shazier guarding him in space. Whoever wins that battle is going to have a decided advantage. No Gronk this time. He really tore up Pittsburgh in the first game. Bennett came out, said he had you know some butterflies last week. Um, maybe he's got a little bit bigger role this week. I think he's a fantastic tight end, so you're going to have to use him a little bit. Malcolm Mitchell out last week. Still a coin flip for this game. That would be nice to have that weapon back. When it comes to the pass rush, though, one thing the Patriots have done very well, their offensive line might not be great and loaded with talent, but the offensive line is a chemistry thing, and that's one thing that they've built over the course of time. There's really a chemistry Uh, There's really an attention to detail there. So they might not be going out and spending huge dollars with their offensive line, but it's usually a very good unit overall because of that chemistry. Who can get pressure on the quarterback? I mean, we say it every week. 
I think you're going to have to figure out scheme-wise, and I know these two teams may not want to blitz a ton and put their defensive backs on an island, uh, but I think it's going to be fascinating to try and watch this game unfold, see who has a few extra wrinkles up their sleeve. You have to give Belichick the coaching check mark uh, for, for this particular matchup, but we know the Steelers' personnel. I mean, they have a ton of talent on that roster, and it's a defense that's peaked late in the season. We know what Big Ben is capable of. I mean, more than competent at the position, obviously, as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Tom Brady would love another Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, I, I can't wait to, wa- to watch both of these games, Payne. And I know there's nothing that we're running to the window to try and bet right now. So we may share a recommendation on the Bet the Board Twitter feed at Bet the Board Pod. Uh, come closer to kickoff on Sunday when we lock stuff in. Uh, but I don't think you could ask for two better matchups as far as quarterbacks are concerned. You know, marquee franchises with the exception of maybe the Falcons not being in that top tier, obviously. Uh, but games that everybody wants to see. I know people talk about, oh, we want upsets this, we want that. And sure, if the Cowboys got through ahead of the Packers, I think that gets as many headlines. Uh, but when the chalk rolls through, regardless of what sports books say, it makes for much more intriguing watching. And we only have three games left in the season. Uh, I can't wait for Sunday. Quarterbacks is what it comes down to. Do you have one or don't you? And as the... Uh, Quarterback grades go. The top three still in the playoffs. Um, so you have a lot of star power there at the quarterback position. It really just masks so many problems you have. And it's going to be who gets hot. It really is. We, we see Aaron Rodgers. Is there going to be a little tail off there? I haven't bet anything yet at this point. I would think the closest game I am to, probably closer to Atlanta um, than anything else, but haven't bet it yet. And again, if we come... With a recommendation, you can find it uh, at bettheboardpodcast.com, and we'll tweet it out from the Bet the Board Pod Twitter handle. Yeah, I know a lot of people, hey, you guys listen to the podcast all season long. Last week, we gave you three games, and when we lose, we're not happy with the results going one and two there. So if there's not something we love, regardless of how big some of these games are, we're not going to try and cram it down your throats. We'll at least have something for you, whether it's a prop or a suggestion to get you to the window, get you into the game uh, come Sunday. As Payne mentioned, that'll be out there for you. Thankfully, Payne, you know, you talk about having a quarterback. We have one, you know, in you to anchor this podcast to kind of guide me as needed. Dave Mason, you know, he needs as much direction as possible. The unfortunate part is once we wrap this podcast up today, we have one left before we put a bow on the 2016 season. The Super Bowl pod. I think we are uh, talking to a few guests there, potentially a surprise guest. So we'll see. Yeah, try and lock up a big name, get a little star power if we can to talk some gambling. Trying to figure out that target date, probably, uh, let's say Tuesday, Wednesday of the second week. We won't have anything going into the buy. I'm not sure we're going to try and break down props. If there's something that really jumps off the page, we'll be happy to share that in the form of article. Uh, But as always, we want to thank all of the loyal listeners. You guys are the ones that have made this doing for the third straight season. Hopefully have some major announcements coming in the next few weeks about the potential growth of the Bet the Board brand and maybe some expanded content pain. You might have, I might have to try and bump your salary up over there as we put in more and more hours. Yeah, salary, cash, whatever works. <laughs> I'm, I'm a cash Su- Suitcases of cash bundled with unmarked bills. But for Dave Mason, follow him on Twitter, at Dave Mason, B-O-L. You can follow Payne on Twitter as well, at Payne Insider, and you can follow me there, at Todd Furman. 
Uh, again, want to thank everybody. Two great games on Sunday. Wagering angles plenty. We'll identify one, two. Yeah, never know. Maybe we'll find three that we can share with you much closer to kickoff on Sunday. But in the meantime, should you pursue NBA, NHL, or whatever other sport keeps your action fix going, check out donbest.com backslash bet the board. Real-time odds right to your mobile phone. And hopefully we'll see you at the window with the best of the number. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.